everybody, welcome back to Exponential Finance, the podcast covering finance, technology and innovation, from our home in Japan and beyond. In this episode, we are going to talk about compliance for crypto. Osprey has been founded in 2019, and bootstrapped ever since, launching their integrated suite of crypto compliance tools at the end of 2020, covering client onboarding, blockchain analytics, and the travel rule. Osprey has been initially focused on startup clients, and expects to rapidly grow with their successful ones. Their enterprise-scale product for first- and second-tier banks is also about to hit the market. And now, please welcome Javier Tamashiro, co-founder and chief executive officer at Osprey. We are a relatively young company. We've been in the market for two years, working really hard. In general, I would say that everything is really positive, even what it sounds like a bad news for most people, like a pandemic and this kind of crash that's happening now. For us, we maybe it's an entrepreneur bias, but we see very positive signals in different ways, right? The pandemic like accelerated many processes, and now the crash is kind of cleaning up the market, if you want, and it's going to put a lot of stress on regulations. In general, the vision that we have is we are enabling the industry to grow faster and with a much more solid foundation. There are some different visions on regulations and compliance, but we bring like this vision that you have a great idea as an entrepreneur, you're working really hard and think about compliance, not piece of your cost question or something that's really tough and boring that you need to do. But now you can show to your customers, now you can show to your investors, you, you can show to your partners that you are running compliance and you have a solid foundation to expand to new markets. Maybe the, it could also affect the valuation of the company because we have also clients in our customer base that they are applying to license. Once you got the license, you know, the picture changed, right? And to get the license, you need a lot of compliance processes in place, software, and we are a part of that healthy circle. We are enabling the industry to do better. To the list that you have there, just add also the regulators, right? If you are on a good footing with your regulators and you're, you're talking about business expansion and you get leeway because they know you're well-managed, that makes a whole lot of difference. Back in 2019 or 2018, crypto companies, they were not able to open a bank account. This kind of interoperability between the traditional financial and crypto, it, it needs to exist. And for that to happen, we need to have a common ground in the same language. There is really hard to grow this industry without compliance, without Osprey and companies like us. So we are really in the center of conversation about mass market adoption. A lot of things will happen around compliance. This idea that transactions need to happen between regulated entities and unhosted wallets may have some more troubles to send funds to regulated exchanges. We have our point of view as entrepreneurs as one of the most beautiful part of blockchain was that you could have your ledger, you can make transactions. What we can do as a tech company is help the ecosystem to bring innovation in a way that we can include that piece of the technology that now is kind of being discriminated because it doesn't have a license. There is this differentiation between hosted and unhosted wallets and essentially centralization, decentralization. Don't you think this might end up in a two-tiered crypto ecosystem where you have premier players that follow gold standard and the money flows within that system and everybody else is on a second tier and maybe there's nuances below there, but it's hard for the money to cross from the second tier into the first tier, essentially? Well, if that happened, it wouldn't be good news. 
because essentially the industry in a, in a way failed to be smart enough to include all the beauty and benefit that this technology can bring. Essentially, we are replicating exactly everything that happened in the banking system, but on blockchain, then what's the point? There will be like two market bitcoins in the secondary market between unregulated entities or unhosted wallets and then the other ones the compliance bitcoins with a probably a premium price hopefully that's not going to be the case maybe something that potentially could end up being part of that discussion is the distribution of exchanges across countries so maybe there are some countries that they may not have very strong institutions therefore they may not have too many exchanges whatever reason, people in those countries, they don't have access to some exchanges and then they use still a wallet or physical wallets and then we will create a like T2 ecosystem. The approach should be, no, let's include that. Everybody can get benefit of this new technology. We understand the concern. In a way, we need to accept that crypto has many similarities to the traditional financial system in a way. Regulators at the moment of evaluating or looking at this new industry, they tend to use the same glasses. They think the same when they think about regulations and implementing controls. Why we should expect something too different? It is what it is. So this is the, the game that we are playing. So we are supporting companies launching financial products on top of blockchain. And instead of making compliance the blocker, you cannot move on. Let's do this much easier for you. Essentially, what we have done since we launched is creating a platform that has different modules. And you can have three main pieces that you need to launch your blockchain financial project. Onboarding clients blockchain analytics, and travel rule. We have these three pieces together working nicely in one single platform. And we have also interoperability with different solutions. So essentially, if you use any identity verification software, you can use that with Osprey. The solution is being designed from the beginning to be agnostic from a blockchain analytic perspective. So we are building our own data, but what we see is that, especially tier one banks, everyone we are talking to, they have more than one blockchain analytic solution. The approach is, okay, let's be agnostic, and then you can use Osprey, and also inside Osprey, you can use different blockchain solutions, data, in one single solution. So if you want to replace or you want to enhance the assessment using different data, you can do that, and you don't need to replace the solution. Maybe what would make our solution different from other projects that we were working in traditional finance when we started, that we have engineering and compliance background. The project started more like a compliance solutions, and that premise still remains. Our tagline is compliance for crypto. You think from a compliance perspective, right? So if you are in a banking ecosystem and you have to make many decisions, you have legacy systems. And if you think how traditionally banks have been dealing with name screening, they typically have more than one solution. They have one for sanction. Typically also they use another for PEP, another one for adverse media. So why they wouldn't do the same when they come to blockchain analytics, right? Yesterday, we talked to an entity that they will use three, three blockchain analytics solutions. Because there is also another component that is market coverage. The ecosystem is growing so fast that there is no a single solution that can cover all the tokens and all the assets. So, okay, let's use this one for this set of tokens, this one for another set of tokens. It's very natural that enterprise companies, they want to use more than one. And this is the approach that we are following for tier one and tier two banks. When we talk to small companies, uh, startups, the approach is, okay, so you have one solution, you have the three pieces, KYC, blockchain analytics, and the trial rule. Everything's gonna work. You have one contract and we take care of the rest. You can go live in a couple of hours. So what we are also dealing with 
more than 30 law firms and anti-mile laundering consulting firms across the, the world. We have uh, in Europe, the US, LATAM, Singapore, most of them, they are based in those places. And essentially that people is the one that complement our offering. Even though that crypto is global by nature and is cross-border by nature, uh, when it comes to compliance, there are a lot of localization aspects. You make a transaction between Singapore and Japan, but then there is a regulation that apply in Japan only. We may not necessarily have all the knowledge about that market. So we work with the law firm in Japan that is going to customize our solution based on the need of that market. And we'll keep updated the solution like threshold rules and another set of aspects that are relevant for compliance. So that's kind of the spirit of the solution. I have to say that we are not disclosing revenue, but we launched at the end of 2020 and we are nearly doubling revenue every quarter. Q1 last this year was a little bit special, but now things are getting better. When I look at when you were created as an entity, when you, when you started your entrepreneurial journey, middle of 2019, it's already pretty late to get into this game, right? Got chain analysis, been around a long time. Elliptic probably have been not quite as long, but also a few years probably at, at that time. Singapore, you've got your friends of Merkel Science. I don't know when they started, maybe around the same time as you or so. And that sounds already like a lot of players. You're the glasses half full type of person. And, and what transpired and what you said earlier is we're still like way to go in mass adoption. So the market is still growing like crazy. And secondly, you get token, new tokens all the time. But maybe you're at a disadvantage in terms of Bitcoin because you don't have that long-term data sets that's tagged in the same way or so. But with new tokens that come up, the game starts from zero and you can play in that like even the established players. So what drove you to make that jump and say we're creating our own company now in 2019? The way that we started is a typical example that you kind of build a solution that you need. Many of us, we were working in traditional finance, credit cards, banks, insurance companies. And accidentally, it happened that we started collaborating in some crypto project. Nearly all of them, we saw them that they did not succeed because multiple reasons, but one of those was compliant, right? So we, we say, okay, so there is a niche here and the companies that they are building stuff, it may not be sufficient, right? Because there will be a lot of gaps. From the very beginning, we start working in a solution that has different pieces. From the beginning, it was more startup oriented. And the idea was, okay, let's make the compliance solution that a company can use and go live in a few hours. Instead of months, a new industry. What happened was you had engineers that they, they are super techie, they understand blockchain. And then you had a lawyer that comes from banking that was trying to catch up in crypto. You put those two people in the same room and then you tell them, okay, now you need to make work. KYC, blockchain analytics, and the travel rule. You know what's gonna happen, right? A company needs three different, at least three different solutions, three different contracts. They need to evaluate maybe 20 different companies until they make a decision. But also they need to work together. Travel rule include blockchain analytics. Travel rule include KYC to some degree. If you want to make also intelligence in terms of alerts, system monitoring, you need to also information from the KYC. They need to trigger alerts, information from the blockchain, and now the travel rule. There is someone that needs to be on top of everything understand it and make this work and, and make sense. That's just to start. And then the company start growing. Well, so then what's going to happen is you will have a lot of transactions, potentially large deposit, more risk. And if the, the volume growth, you eventually may have a lot of alerts. And alerts in a financial institutions mean people that need to review the alert. So you need better system, a smarter system to create less alert and be more accurate. 
to reduce false positives. The industry progressively became more and more sophisticated. So every month we see a demand for new features that are not just blockchain analytics. Chain Analysis is a great company. One of the core value propositions of them is that they are building a database. They sell the data that nobody else has. That's great. But there are many other aspects of compliance, especially if you are in an ecosystem of maybe 50 employees or 80 or 100 employees, right? There is a demand for financial institutions to have more than one risk data point. You may be a leading in the industry, but still, I want to have a second opinion. When you do that, then you have to have two solutions, two tabs, and you know this is not scalable, right? So if you have just a dashboard in two tabs, and you eventually manually, you have two alerts and you need to compare and you want to connect that alert with a profile, there will be many situations that you have a few of those alerts. And then the question is, okay, what do you do with many of those alerts? You start blocking transactions, you shut down the account of your client. What is the context that will help the compliance team to make decisions, right? So that's when you need more information that comes from profile of that individual or company in terms of the activity that person is involved. What is that person located? Or if it's a company, what is the primary market? What is the history of that specific account? What we see in terms of that specific transfer is unusual based on the past, is unusual based on the peers. So people like that person tend to receive transaction that big or not, right? So there are many different ways you can apply intelligent and start making decisions that will reduce the number of alerts, right? Maybe you are creating a lot of noise to your compliance team, then you need to hire a lot of people, and then that is not scalable. Just to mention a few examples, how complex compliance could get, and as soon as the industry grows, there will be a need for more sophisticated tools, more integration, solutions that are capable to integrate with legacy systems and apply intelligence using different type of, of data. So back to your question, a lot of opportunities. The industry is not just about blockchain analytics, there are a lot of things that the industry will demand as soon as it grows. What we see, for example, with some of our clients that as they grow, they need um, more tools. And also as they expand to new market, they have different questions. For us, it's, it's beautiful because essentially we are growing and learning from our clients. Yeah, so opportunities everywhere. There is a, a big localization aspect of what we do. So you can create a super a sophisticated machine, but at the end of the day, you need to connect whatever software and super intelligent machine that you have created, connect this to local regulation. Okay, translate that to my problem every day, like my license, my clients here in Tokyo, my, my clients here in Japan, or my, my clients here in Tokyo that now they are expanding to China, for example, new situations, so how you can help them. And that's why it's important to work with local law firms or consultant firms. Very relevant now is about the, the travel rule. It's everyone in the industry is, is asking and it's, it's what's going to be, the industry is demanding right now and will demand in the coming months. Essentially the travel rule is when you make transactions in, the, in traditional finance, your transaction between two accounts, typically if the, the transaction is above certain threshold, will have attached the information of who is sending, who is receiving, the name of the bank that is sending, the name of the bank that is receiving, addresses, codes, a lot of information that eventually could be used to run an investigation, trace back, prosecute, taxation, many elements, sanction screening, of course. So one of the main concerns of regulators from the very beginning around crypto was that that information was not there. So 
that you were able to transfer value between two different points with no information about who is sending and who is receiving. One of the very first red flags. But on the other side, of course, you can trace transactions. So it's arguable how good crypto could use for uh, criminal activity. From the travel rule point of view, the way that the industry is trying to mimic what happened in the traditional financial industry, and it's about sending attached the information of this, the parties involved in the transaction, the entities involved and the people or companies involved. And it's far from new, right, we must say. So I think the original FinCEN document is dated 1997, if I recall it correctly. And of course, all of that kicked into high gear after the 9-11 terrorist attacks when the Americans especially started putting on the screws in the traditional financial system. So it's been with us for quite a while. And in all of this, when you look at the industry, it's not surprising that the regulators come up with this. Like It's not surprising maybe whatever will come out of the lunar terror, blow up, etc. What's mind-boggling a bit is the utter inability of the industry to organize themselves in some self-governance type of way to say we preempt the regulators and external entity coming up and will try to define some best practices for our industry to prevent that external interference. And it took whatever, 10 years for the regulators to finally get their act together, but they're coming and they have a long arm. So there's probably stuff that will still pop up from whatever, four or five years ago that they find common people might just be too small to be pursued but this was entirely foreseeable and that it's coming again is good for you and your business and it lifts the whole industry up to a different standard but surprising it is not there are some reasons why this probably didn't happen before first there is a technical challenge blockchain was not designed to contain information of the sender and the beneficiary right so now this is kind of a patch, like, okay, let's, let's see if we can make it work because essentially the data of the, the parties flows in a parallel channel, right? So the transaction will happen through blockchain, public blockchain, but the data will flow uh, through a, a different protocol. Another reason probably why this did not happen before, as you said, probably the pioneers of blockchain, they were not very happy from an ideological point of view about this. There is also another discussion is like we are assuming that the best institution to regulate these are governments. Right? So there was a hope from the industry to see, okay, maybe we can solve this problem by ourselves. As you said, right, we can self-regulate this space. Let's see how it goes. Certainly there is some sort of demand that would say the general audience is that we need to protect retail investors, the less sophisticated people in a way to invest. And there are a lot of good reasons. There are a lot of concern because there are so many uh, projects that were not very transparent. There is a need for more control. The question is, okay, maybe it's a, it's a hybrid governments with industry. This interaction is very positive. Maybe a fourth reason is that cost. Why? If I don't need it, I don't do it. So essentially, you only implement a compliance when you don't have any option. It comes together with the, the enforcement of these requirements with companies buying solutions like the one we offer. It comes together also with the institutional quality. You may have a regulation, but if it's not enforced or nobody cares, then why, why I should do this? I don't know if it's a Coinbase initiative. Coinbase is certainly part of it, this trust, and they, they call it travel rule universal solution technology. It's like one of the legos that makes me believe we get like this two-tiered system or a closed loop, right? Because they're building an alliance of like-minded exchanges and Binance is part of it as well to implement the same travel rule technology, which of course will make it easier to have this communication within 
what will then become quasi-closed loop. And when you're sending from one exchange to another, they're confirming first that that account or the address actually assists over there before sending all the customer information. Because if it's faulty and you're sending all the customer information with it initially, you're essentially leaking that data to somebody who might not actually be able to receive it. And so that's a bit kind of the protection built into that. Then, so you get exchanges that are part of this group. You've got exchanges outside that group that also implement travel rule. You might have other exchanges that don't care yet because they're not in that regulated environment. And then you've got the unhosted wallet. So it becomes really a complex, complex. mesh. It's complex. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, we've been talking with travel rule protocols companies for a while, at least 24 months. There might be about at least 15 different protocols in the market, if not more, but roughly 15. Our guess is that there will be a few winners, maybe three, right? Maybe the winners will be based on uh, economic zone. Maybe we'll have one in Asia, one in uh, Europe, and one mm-hmm. in America. Maybe this is, our, I guess, right? Because actually that happens also in banking. You have a different networks. It's not only one network to make international payments. And then there will be interoperability across those three. And yeah, so essentially what's going on, you have different companies backing those projects in different, using different approach, maybe more community oriented, more, some more private oriented. But at the end, it's like the one that are the top three, uh, it's, it's huge. The, the industry keeps growing. It's cer- certainly something important. What we see is that many companies, they now, they are preparing their travel plan to show the regulators that they understand the issue. They have a plan to implement it. They have a solution that they are planning to use. And they are using that documentation to show or signal the regulator that they are ready. But very few companies, based on what we have seen, they are actually live. Most of the issues that we see now, we are expecting not to exist maybe in two years. So for example, there are some requirements about if you accept a payment from an unhosted wallet, you need to identify the unhosted wallet, and then you need to make some tests uh, that prove to some degree that the owner of that wallet is the person that claimed to be the owner. So probably maybe in two years, we will see something different. I mean, besides all the complexity and all these crashes, prices going down, we are in the center of something that to me is super exciting, that connect many aspects of things that to me are interesting, like data, financial. There are some geopolitical aspects as well. They're huge, I think, and then they're not too much talk about the fragmentation that you see in the internet itself that we have already. And to some extent, even like between the US and, and Europe with GDPR, you clearly have a third internet in China. Maybe you get a fourth with Russia and maybe the Russian and Chinese is merging. I don't know. But you've got like three or four regional it's no longer a global internet. You can arguably see the same path going down with money as well. Seeing more transactions digitalized, either using credit card or using crypto. It's also open another topic that is privacy. Is everything is digital, so there is no like analog payment. So it's much easier to trace transactions and then see behavior over time. Things start getting together, but certainly it's a, it's a very inter- interesting topic. One last question I wanted to ask you, because it strikes me from the three components that you're building, they can, of course, all be used for compliance, but analytics in particular, when we had this market distress and you follow the Twitter feeds and you see like people commenting on Celsius and right, X amount of Bitcoin to FTX or 
here's something that happened with the three arrow capital wallet, etc. So there, there seems to be an inherent value also in actually tracing because it is transparent when it's on chain, tracing the assets and tag them to different economic players. So do you see demand for the solution? Do you see inquiries coming in for people who want to use your solution in that way rather than purely from a compliance perspective? We do. Yeah, we actually got uh, many people uh, actually approaching on LinkedIn that, oh, my, I was hacked. My wallet was hacked. Can you help me? In many cases, we can, but we can help providing uh, reports. Typically, what we see is that the hacker, it's, it's moved the funds to one place and then wait. And it wait a lot, sometimes months. Right. So, and then it make um, um, another move and then wait. It plays with the, the incentive of the person that lost funds to, okay, to give up or the police in case that uh, the police start the investigation. Well, this, this takes so long. But yeah, I mean, we, we can help with the reporting and the, the solution to trace those funds, but we are not the police. Right. So, we are not going to take your case and we, we start a communication with the, the police ourselves. Right. What we have done is we create a report. We keep updating you if there is something that changed, and that report is being used to create a case in the London police, for example. We, we have actually, we had a client in February, his wallet was hacked, and yeah, he made a case in the, the police of New York and uh, London, then they use our report. But yes, the, to answer your question, yes, there is a demand. Maybe when we talk about this with some lawyers, because that's the other thing, it's not just the analytic part. So sometimes they end up in being like a legal action after this. The feedback we got sometimes is that it's difficult to monetize these cases, but definitely there is a market for this. So you were founded middle of 2019, you said you, you launched the product at the end of 2020. So you're like, we're like 18 months in growing rapidly, doubling every three months, which is fantastic. So if you look out 18 months, is this purely more growth than what will Osprey look like at the end of 2023? In crypto compliance, at least successful compliance, they don't remain compliant as a startup for too long. Our core effort right now is focused on startups. Tier one bank is up. We are having conversations. We are ready to, we will be ready for enterprise plans very soon. But the core of our focus is the startups because in maybe in 18 months, some of our clients, they will, not, they will not be a startup anymore. Hopefully, we will have a number of Ubers in our customer base, and with them, our company will grow very fast as well. The other thing that we are doing is we are expanding. So we will have an office in the U.S. from August because we have clients already in Miami that they are expanding also in the U.S. and also in, in Latin America. We have new clients in Europe. This is the beauty part of what we do is like we are in Singapore, but nothing stops us to sell our solution to companies in different jurisdictions. But still, as I said, there is a component of localization and there is a, as bigger the company and more sophisticated, there is a need for local support. And so we will expand based on that demand. Our clients in the UK, they will need to have a few people in the UK to have almost real-time support. The same in the US. Companies appreciate that. Being in the same time zone is definitely something that you need to happen. And do you expect to fund that growth organically or is there a funding round coming up later this year, early next year, maybe? So the, we would bootstrap the company until now. There will be some news coming about uh, fundraising. We cannot disclose too much, but it's coming. Wish you all the best then, and I'm sure we'll, we'll stay in touch. Let's make sure we touch base in the second half of next year for an update and see where we've been going. 
Thank you very much, Norbert, and we stay in touch. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. It was a great conversation.